is Andy. And this is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast on which we rewatch very special episodes of television to see what, if anything, they have to teach us today. And today we are really going for it. We are <laughs> dipping into the ABC After School special collection yes, yes. with The Day My Kid Went Punk. This is listed as season 16, episode 3. Yep. Sure, whatever. Yep. After School Special exists in its own world. It originally aired October 23rd, 1987, and was written and directed by and Fern Field. And produced yep. by Fern Field. Which brings us into You Were What? Special Maybe We'll Do This Later edition. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll do it later. It's fine. That's it. No, that's it. We'll do it. That's later. the whole thing. Okay, um, you can. That's it. Yeah. You can it's watch a special edition. You can watch uh, the whole episode of my day, the day my kid went punk, on YouTube, and it's pretty yes. good quality. Um, yeah, it's not too bad. You can pretty much watch all of these on YouTube. Yeah. Especially like the hard hitting ones, like like this one <laughs> definitely yes. is. Um, let's get into our snacks. So today we have uh, jam. I got a jam sampler or jampler, if you will. From Trade Street Jam Company, um, and we divided it up. So, Andy, what if, what little flavors, little tiny jams do you have over there? Uh, my two little tiny jams are plum and rose, mm -hmm. as well as blueberry lemon basil. Ooh, okay. So I have um, smoked peach, oh. and I have blackberry mulled merlot. Okay. So boozy jam. What are you What are you enjoying your jam upon? Uh, Ritz crackers. Oh, <laughs> somehow I didn't think of that. I got a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> bagel. Put some jam on this bagel. So now you have to eat all a right. whole bagel. <laughs> yeah. No, we'll be I'm back in an it. hour. <laughs> the third, all right. Fine. I will. I'm gonna put it on three bagels. Fuck I did not care for the blueberry lemon basil because there was a bit too much basil in it mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. But the plum and rose was really good. Ooh, I do love I love rose flavored things. Um, the smoky peach is really good. It really tastes mm -hmm. smoky, which is a problem I have with things that are labeled smoky that then don't taste sure. smoky. Not the case here. The blackberry mulled merlot also very good. Um, I don't really taste the merlot, but it's very good blackberry jam regardless. Right so. On. Trade Street Jam Company, you can find them online. You can look them up on Instagram. They're a family-owned business. Um, they have all kinds of great stuff. They also have a... I didn't make them, but I got some mix for sweet potato biscuits. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I'm excited to try those later. Nice. Awesome. Chelsea, let's talk about a goddamn incredibly special episode of television. Yes, let me take you down the wormhole of oh, the after-school special. So one of my new favorite podcasts is the You're Wrong About podcast, where they go back um, to things that were maybe major news events or maybe uh, major cultural events that you 
think you understand, but they might have been covered incorrectly by the media at the time, or like more right. things have come to light since then. And they've done everything from like multi episodes on the DC sniper to a really good episode about Anna Nicole Smith and like Tanya Harding <laughs> and all of these things sure. that are like people think they have an understanding of, but then you find out like, oh, I'm misremembering Jonestown or whatever. So <laughs> I'm misremembering <laughs> Jonestown. So they did an episode about <laughs> after school specials. Um, uh-huh. which was incredibly informative. And when we picked this episode, I went back and re-listened to it. So um, all of this is research that comes directly from the You're Wrong About podcast, which you should listen to after you listen to this. So mm-hmm. I think um, at least I have this memory of after-school specials being like an umbrella term that kind of covers anything that was made for teens and had a moralizing tone and came on around 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. But... It turns out that After School Special is a proper series name that ran from 1972 to 1997 on ABC. Yikes. 25 years Yikes. of After School Specials. Um, and the way that they came about was kind of like idealism and cynicism go hand in hand in mm-hmm. a weird way. So TV in 1972 was kind of in its adolescence. It was trying to figure out how to expand to fill 24 hours of programming because you remember that in the early days of TV, it would just switch off at a certain time of yeah. night. So in 72, it was kind of like, okay, how do we fill? How do we get it so TV is always on? Um, and this guy, God Martin, bless you. God bless you, TV scientists. Right? Uh, this guy, Martin Tossie, realized that there was this chunk of time during the day where it was mostly reruns because it would be children's program during the day. In the mm-hmm. evening, there was family programming like sitcoms and game shows. And then after that was adult programming. But from about four to six, when all the latchkey kids were home, it was mostly reruns. No one was making anything for that time slot, specifically for sure. the people who were watching TV at that time. So what Martin Tossie wanted to do was make movies for kids by kids. Mm-hmm. Um, he really wanted to make things aimed at adolescence, but from from a kid's point of, or a teen's point of view. So he started sure. optioning a bunch of novels, especially novels written by young authors about social problems. Um, and he really tried to talk to kids on their level, not talk down to them. He had grown up as a child of alcoholic parents. And so he made a lot of movies about how to deal with alcoholic parents. Yes. And then some, there were some other, um, you know, they took on all kinds of social ills. But his number one rule as a producer for the after school, after school specials was that all the problems had to be solved by the kids themselves. Um, they were meant to be, have a tone that was both understanding and empowering. So that's sort of like the altruistic half of how after school specials came to be. The more um, capitalistic uh, side of it Realistic, was that, yeah, cynicism, cynicism cynic, cynical. Yeah, um, the networks were under huge pressure from the government at the time because since uh, censorship had been lifted in the 50s, there was a lot more sex and violence and stuff on TV, like things that we would obviously consider very tame now. But in 72, society was kind of in an uproar over like, what are kids watching? There were congressional hearings about how bad TV was for kids. And the network started feeling like, oh, shit, we got we to gotta put in some more educational content to kind of like prove that we're not these monsters that are going to corrupt the youth. So they started slotting in these educational movies during the time slot when the fewest people were watching, which was 4 to 6 p.m. Um, sure. It was also a great time to market products to latchkey kids instead of just doing reruns do some rookie yeah. product placement. So, so um, both of these things were true. Both the cynical and the altruistic 
halves of this were true. It was like a perfect storm of this guy being like, we should make movies for kids that don't talk down to them and empower them. And the network's being like, well, we got to do something because it's, you know, everybody kind of thinks we're the worst right now. Sort of like Facebook right now, if you know, so uh, that is the history of how the after after school special was born and then lived for 25 long years. So ABC said, we need literally anything. And somebody was like, I've got literally anything. (laughs) I've got novels written by kids for kids. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, great ones out there. I'm sure we're going to get to all of them before our, you know, 99 season uh, contract is over <laughs> here at Huggy and Learning. Uh, there's a there. I remember when we when we were starting this podcast, looking over the list of these, and there is a very specific. My dad is drunk. Um, like he loses his job, everything like that. But it is very specifically from a kid's point of view. Um, and I found a. Uh, TV guide ad for this specific after school special. Um, that's just, it's a picture of a, a, a punker kid at a dinner table and a concerned father looking at him and it says, what do you do when your bright, lovable, talented kid turns into a punker overnight? The Nelsons are about to find out. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, these are just standalone. The, 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 the benefit of these is they don't have to, they don't have to, uh, adhere to any specific characters. They don't have to like put in time to make things funny. They don't have to make sure that <laughs> Steve Urkel has a, a dramatic appearance somewhere right. in there. It's just all drama all the time. All drama. So. Fernfield knows drama. Um, in the Punkers timeline of Hugging and Learning, this yeah. this aired five years after the Quincy Emmy episode, two years after the G.I. Joe episode, okay. five years after the Chips episode, and just for fun, three years after the famous Phil Donahue Punkers episode, which we yeah. haven't covered on our podcast, but just this is sort of late to the Punkers game a little bit. This punk, punk's almost, you know, <laughs> completely done at this point. <laughs> like, it's almost too late to talk about this. Uh, 1987, it's like, oh, yeah, remember punks? Um, it's definitely not the thrilling problem it was five or ten years right. ago. Um I'm really glad to know that we do have a punkers timeline here at Hugging and Learning. Yep. Uh, as of now, we do. So uh, let's talk about the ordinary world of 1987, wherever we are. No specific location ever given. <laughs> sure. It's someplace and then a hotel. Yes. Someplace. There's a school there. That you can both fly and drive to. <laughs> yeah. The hotel is, he flies there, but then they drive back. And so also how far they... it is, we don't know. I don't know. This this world really makes up a lot of stuff that's like, okay, I guess this is how everything works. <laughs> um, but the ordinary world uh, is, we, we start with a shot of a symphony playing, mm-hmm. which is the yeah. opposite of punks. Yes. It um, is a classical music. It's a prep school. We get a sign outside that's like the something something preparatory okay. school. So it's a high school age school. And it's a classical music orchestral concert which yeah. immediately made me think of the Quincy Emmy episode the sort of like sure. why would anyone listen that. to this noise yeah. when you could listen to Mozart like I already know that's coming from John it, it, it is but here's the here maybe you can help me figure this out um, <laughs> because I get what they're trying to do is like hey well, in classical music we can all agree on that it's Mozart you know the most famous classical guy who ever lived but for whatever reason, they're showing these students playing this concert and people are making like very specific, obvious mistakes. Yeah. 
I just was thought it was because so we see some kids screw up and then we see that the audience kind of laugh. But our hero, Terry, who plays the violin, never screws up. So I thought it was meant to be like, look how good Terry is at the violin. All these other fools are screwing up. My second gripe with this establishing scene is that nobody in the audience really seems into the orchestra at all. No, it's a school so, concert. No one wants to be fucking. Be I know. There. That's what I'm. That's my point of view as well. Right. Is you know, there's there's more exciting ways to start than a school function. Yeah, um, it, it's hard to later argue. Don't you want to play in the orchestra when it seems so boring to play in the orchestra? I don't want. I don't want Terry to play in the orchestra. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to see so this anymore. Terry's father, mother, sister, and brother are all in the audience. Um, Terry is played by Jay Underwood, who's had a very long career. If you look at his IMDb, and I know him best from the movie Almost Human, starring Alan Thicke and Ooh. Robin Lively from Teen oh, Witch, right. and also being Blake Lively's sister. You've mentioned um, this before. I'm sorry. What what was the who what, who was he was in Teen Witch? No, he almost human was the name of the movie. Oh, okay, where Alan Thicke was a scientist, if you will, yes. and created a robot son as played by Jay Underwood that then went to school with Robin Lively, who was Alan Thicke's daughter, to see if the robot could like assimilate into a high school, and some competing scientists tried to kidnap him. Sure, man. I remember that, this movie. As soon as I saw him, I was like, I've seen that guy in something. And scrolling through, I was like, of course he's part of the Alan Thicke cinematic universe. Of course oh, he is. And of course he's the, the kid, the boy who could fly, which was mm-hmm. such a big deal when I was, uh, when it came out, I remember every uh, girl that I knew was like, boy, who could fly. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. It's what real love looks like. <laughs> what did you say about, why did you, why did you mention Teen Witch? Because Robin Lively... Was right. in Almost Human and also Teen Witch. Gotcha. Um, okay, cool. That's how my mind uh, works. Everything comes that's back right. to Teen no, no, Witch. No, no, no. You know what? Here's the thing, Chelsea. That's going to come up later. Ooh. Foreshadowing. Um, Foreshadowing. Podshadowing. Yeah. So we're at this concert. It's, you know, whatever. It's a school concert. Um, there's thunderous applause. Uh, concert is over. Terry asks the girl sitting next to him, Lisa, if she wants to go out to dinner with his family. And she's like, nah, I'm busy. And then outside we see her meet up with a punker who's actually kind of tame in his punkishness. He's just sort of like wearing leather pants. Yeah. And here's what it doesn't scream punker to me. Brown leather coat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not it. Uh, Everybody uh, meets up with Terry outside and they're almost try to celebrate with him before yes. they're like, I'm too tired and bored. Terry's brother, Terry bro- Terry's brother Carl sees Lisa go off and says, isn't that Lisa Kirk? Why is she going out with that creep? And then Carolyn, the younger sister, says, ugh, gross. And this is when we should know that Carl and Carolyn are the fucking worst. <laughs> like, like <laughs> his parents are bad, but these siblings are the fucking worst. Oh, Chelsea, that's not, let's not be too harsh. They're all equally the worst people in the world <laughs> in Terry's family. Uh, um, every, also, everybody's like, hey, let's just celebrate tomorrow. And Terry's like, I'm leaving for yeah, the summer like, tomorrow we morning. <laughs> let's go out to eat. Nah, I'm tired. No, the concert was really long. We'll just do it later. And he's like, I'm leaving for the whole summer tomorrow. And someone is like, oh, yeah, I forgot. His mom or I'm, his dad is like, forgot I about forgot. that. I forgot. And then his shit brother, who's played by <laughs> Brian Bierko. Um, is that right? Something Bierko. It doesn't matter. Who could care? <laughs> um, 
his brother is like, well, you probably had to pack anyway. It's like, what? Did you throw this back in Terry's face? It's like, we couldn't have hung out anyway, you dummy. It's all your fault somehow. There's also a moment where Terry says that he thinks the punker looks kind of cool. And he mm-hmm. says, I might get my ear pierced. And his dad's reaction is, over my dead body. And his sure. mom's reaction is, just make sure the needle is sterilized. Which, yeah. like, put a pin in those reactions because later they're going to totally switch sides in terms of, like, w- how they think about his his look. But put a sterilized safety pin in those reactions. Uh, yeah, he keeps, he, he really, this is the first of, I think, five or six times he's like, hey, guys, I'm thinking about doing punk things. And nobody <laughs> right. listens to yeah. him at all. There were warning signs. They were yeah. warned. So next, a very exciting thing happens. <laughs> Because Terry's music teacher slash the conductor of the orchestra approaches and says he should try out for first chair next year, first chair of violin. And Terry's super pumped about this, but he's like, "Uh, maybe this summer I might play some rock and roll. That's not the exciting thing. The exciting thing... I'm waiting. The exciting thing is that the music teacher is played by Albert Haig, who was a famous composer and songwriter. He had several shows on Broadway. He wrote the music for the cartoon How the Grinch Stole Christmas. What? He played the psychiatrist in Space Jam. What? And he also had a cabaret act with his wife called What? Haig and Haig, His Hits and His Mizzes. MRS, oh which is my favorite oh. name of a cabaret in recorded history. That's really good. His hits and his misses. I love it. That's I good. I love it. And he wrote the music for How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah. Iconic. I wish there was somebody else in this episode who was iconic in that way, but maybe we'll find out later. Ooh. Can't tease this enough. <laughs> um, Terry, yeah. So uh, <laughs> Terry's telling them that, oh, it's the next day. It's breakfast. Terry's going to leave in like five seconds. Right. And mom mom is really excited because she has written up. She gets a call from her boss and she's written a paper called Why Children Go Punk. And her boss tells her that it's going to be the biggest subject uh, and that she's going to have a big talk at an upcoming conference. Yeah. There's a big. It's going to be the hot seminar of our conference is the phraseology. And then Whatever she reveals. Whatever our conference is. <laughs> right. We also get. We're in a. This is all coming via answering machine message played out loud for the whole family to hear, which is a form of exposition that we just don't have in 2020. But back in ye olden times of the 70s, there was a lot of exposition that came in the form of answering machine messages. So we get... We get info about dad's job, too. Dad is a crisis management consultant who has also written a book about crisis management, which he's late turning in. We get a message from his publisher who's kind of miffed about that. So now we know that's what he does. And then we get this message from mom's boss about why children go punk. And she reveals that her job is on the line at this conference. It's the biggest conference our college has ever sponsored. Her boss is driving her crazy, arranging it. And, like, her job is on the line. So... I don't this and, is, and help me out with this if you can. What could go so wrong that she's going to get fired? Look, this yeah. this is I'm calling this a very soft call to adventure. Okay, here it is. Mom needs to present her punker paper at this conference to keep her job. Like they never say, and if you fuck up, we're firing you. There's something mm. about like getting her full professorship depends on how well she does at this sure. conference. It's very nebulous, but. It's very strange because though we're going to spend a lot of time with Terry, for the first 75% of this movie, he's not the protagonist. Because remember, the title is The Day My Kid Went Punk. My Kid, yeah. Mom is the protagonist. This is her journey. 
this is an after-school special for adults. It has yeah, broken it, it is. the cardinal rule of after-school specialism. Right. But then what it will is. happen is that mom will go on her journey. We'll wrap that up. And then Terry will start his own little end-of-movie movie. A, much like the rest, much like the dynamics in Terry's family, Terry's family is going to let him have a little tiny adventure <laughs> at the end if there's time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if That's we exactly have a second for you, Terry, why would you rebel against us, Terry? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> we named you Terry. Like that was that was shots fired across the bow right from the moment you were born. So the next scene is dad dropping off Terry at the airport. And, you know, like a real fucking, <laughs> you can see the love in the fact that he stops the car completely before <laughs> It's out. He's like, all right, Terry, I'd walk you to the door, but... Uh. Wait, 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 wait. We have to go back, though. Oh, what's Because up? more stuff happens in the kitchen. More, like, signs that he's going to go punk that people ignore. So sure. he approaches his dad and says he's thinking about changing up his look for the summer. Um, his current look, just so you know, is a starched white shirt, huge glasses, pleated pants, and a super boring haircut. Right. And before his dad can actually have this conversation with him, his little sister comes in with a huge ribbon oh and is like, look at what I got at school today. Note, is it not summer? Why does she have a huge school ribbon? And then why mom are, are comes they, in. Why are they giving out ribbons? She tells, did, did you hear what she got the ribbon for? For spelling Mississippi. What the big, fuck? Big fucking deal. Talk about my generation of participation <laughs> trophies. This little girl got a big ass ribbon for spelling Mississippi right. Everyone can spell Mississippi. Everybody can spell Mississippi. There are 57 little mnemonic devices to help you with that one. Where's my ribbon? So mom comes in yelling for Carl. And that's when he tells her, uh, Terry tells mom, I'm going to get a new haircut to go with my new contact lenses. And mom's like, mm. sound good. But then that convo, too, is cut short because Carl comes in and starts reciting to everyone, quote, my speech for the Young Men's Republican Club hey. next week. Oh, boy. Everybody Terry? shut up. I got I to gotta <laughs> sell a speech that nobody here could possibly give a shit about. Terry shut never up, Terry. <laughs> Terry never gets to finish or even really start a conversation. Like every time he tries to approach one of his parents, either everyone's too tired to listen or one <laughs> or of his sibling just, butts in. Or they just don't want to. I, you know, like Terry, Terry, spoiler, going punk is, this family is getting off light. <laughs> Terry could go murderous psychopath. This could be the kid, the day my kid went and got a knife. <laughs> no jury on earth would convict him. <laughs> no. They would see this footage and be like, well, what? Exhibit. Uh, yeah. Exhibit A is that big ass fucking ribbon for spelling <laughs> Mississippi right. Also, Carl looks twenty eight. Does he still live at home? This guy looks so it's, old. It's Craig Bierko, uh, and yeah, he's looked that old for his entire life. Uh, look him up. He looks that old now. He does. He does look like should, the young Republicans. He should have graduated from that a while ago. It should be the old Republicans. So I'll tell the same joke again. I don't mind. The next day, uh, or later on that day, Dad drops Terry off at the airport. And shows his love and concern by pulling to a complete stop. And then <laughs> pretending he doesn't understand how parking works. And he's like, oh, well, I've, I've stopped here at the curb. I can't possibly spend any time with you. Goodbye. Right. He's like, here's your guitar. I haven't seen that in a while. Bye. And Terry's like, yeah, I'm bringing this guitar because I'm going to try to get into a band. And Dad's like, yep, speeding away. Like, Terry doesn't even finish the sentence. Dad's back in the car. <laughs> right. Have fun at the thing. Whatever you're doing, have a good time. Bye. <laughs> that's that's the other part of that conversation. So inside yeah. the airport, Terry sits down next to some very tame-looking lady punkers. Mm -hmm. um, they don't want to chat with him, but they leave a magazine and a white drugstore bag behind, which we never really know what 
is in there. I don't. I don't understand what's. I I thought something was gonna go uh, horribly wrong. Uh, yeah, it's a magazine of something. We don't see what's in the bag, but the music turns from classical to funky. Mm-hmm. So whatever's in the bag is vaguely funky. Yeah, Terry, in a move familiar to all teens who weren't allowed to dress the way they wanted to, has packed uh-huh. his entire new punker identity on the top of his suitcase and wastes no time going into the bathroom and giving himself a full makeover, complete with haircut and ear piercing. Yep. Um, in the airport bathroom, he goes in a Terry and emerges a punker. I thought we were going to find, like, whatever was in the bag was, like, hair dye or something. But they never show. I rewound what's it. The... They, like, never show what he found in the bag that the punkers what's left the... behind. And, or he, does, why is he, he doesn't even look in the magazine. It's, he already knows he wants to, like, be a, a punker. What's the yeah. point of any of this? Yeah. Maybe he finds earrings in the white bag. Maybe that's what we're supposed to, to imagine. Yeah. I yeah. wish they had, Whatever. I just anyway, wish they made it clear. But we do get the point that, like, now he has struck out twice with girls. Every girl he tries to, like... <laughs> Hang out that with, uh, walks That's, away. Yes. If you want, and he struck out with his entire family. So he's gone and ruined his entire life. Um, and as somebody who cuts their own hair on the regular these days, I can't imagine using like a Swiss army scissors yes. and just snipping away happily. I would, I would be in tears. Um, so Terry arrives at the hotel and boy, everyone can't wait to be intolerant of him. Uh, <laughs> That's when we find out that he's <laughs> there to be... It's pretty eager intolerance. Boy, it is. Everybody is like, ugh, can't. <laughs> I can't. Gleeful turn my intolerance. Head. I better turn my head away from that kid slightly so I can give him the side eye. <laughs> uh, he's there to be a, a kid's counselor. Yeah, it's real weird because we have no indication where he's going before he gets there. Like, he might as well have been going to camp. But sure. now we, we find out he... It's some sort of lakeside resort hotel where he's been employed to watch children. Um, and uh, the manager rushes over as soon as he walks in, like she's going to kick him out for even just being in the lobby. Right. And then he's like, I'm here for a job. And she can't even contain her gleeful laughter. as She goes to tell the hotel owner that a, quote, Ziggy Ziggy Sputnik lookalike yeah. is in their lobby, which Ziggy is, is it supposed to be like... No. No, Ziggy it's not Stardust, like wh- I think so, but I, well, it's it's so it's such a parent thing to do. It's oh, what are you one of them Ziggy Ziggy Sputnik Star Guy things? It's like no, mom. It's called the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it's awesome. Uh, yeah, and and she tells Mister Smiley, the the hotel owner, that this guy is here, and we get a bit of exposition where Mister Smiley says that. He's there because the mother recommended the hotel for the conference. So there's, is that not true? No, it is. It's just sort of like, in what world do you call the Holiday Inn and say, hi, I'm calling to book seven suites and three conference rooms. And also you will give my kid a job. Like, that's not how it works. That's not how anything works. That's not, not at all. I think that what they're trying to do is set up an entirely... Uh, unreasonable world where you can show up to work however you want and nobody can do anything about it. <laughs> right, because Mr. Smiley still does hire him in spite yeah. of his looks. Mr. Smiley is a pretty accepting dude, actually, all told. But it is totally because because his mom is having this conference there and, and right. he is like, it's been a slow year, we can't afford to piss her off. And Phyllis, the manager, says, 
Max, we cannot put a punker in charge of our nursery. The guests will be up in arms. And Smiley says, seems like a nice enough kid. We'll give him a try. If it doesn't work out, we'll have a legitimate reason to fire him. Sure. Yeah. So it's, you know, he's in. He's in because his mom got him the job. And though he showed up dressed like a person that they think should definitely not be taking care of kids. They don't reassign him and be like, all right, well, you're on janitorial duty now. Go wash some dishes. Yeah. Or no. <laughs> like, well, nope, Chelsea, you're what... still in charge of all of the kids. And truly, Chelsea, what's more punk than your mom getting you a job somewhere? True. I hear that. I hear that it was uh, Johnny Rotten's mom got her and got him into the sex pistols. <laughs> got him into the sex pistols. Called up. Called up like, Malcolm. You, yeah. Yeah. Put my, you put my boy in the sex pistols right now. <laughs> So at 8 a.m. the next morning, the nursery is sort of running wild. There are parents there. There are kids there. The kids are jumping on everything and screaming the way kids are are wont to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the parents are very concerned when Terry walks in with his guitar case. Yeah. And now he's wearing light foundation. Yeah. He's really, he goes from one to a hundred on the punk spectrum very quickly. Yeah. And he blows past like acceptable <laughs> punkness yes. as well. Like read a room, Terry. <laughs> like save this shit for the alley, <laughs> which is the club in town. Uh, and, you know, fucking dial it back a little bit. Right. Mr. Green, one of the parents who looks like a fucking child molester. <laughs> this guy, it's, it's something about his teeth is so weird. He's got a perfectly oh. round face like a globe, and his he's got like too many teeth, and they're too small. It's uh-huh. a real, he looks terrifying. He says, he looks dangerous, and I'm going... You look dangerous. You look dangerous. <laughs> I'm much more scared of you. Um, Phyllis tries One to assure... One of you two has to be on a list about this whole thing. <laughs> right. uh, manager Phyllis tries to assure the parents that Terry is not a menace to society, but they don't believe her until he starts playing his guitar and all the kids sit quietly and listen. And I was sure. like, you get to do, you get one, you get one of these, Terry. One time you pull a guitar out, the kids shut up. Tomorrow, this doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And honestly... He got 30 seconds, honestly, <laughs> before they realize, oh, he's just playing guitar and singing a song. This is done. Can but- I play the guitar? <laughs> then I'm going to throw something. Thank you. Goodbye. I'm a child. Right. The uh, music has soothed the savage beasts for 30 seconds. Also, we have a segue to go because we go from Terry playing acoustically or no, it's electric, but he's playing like yeah. a mellow version of this song about so, like, when's my time going to come? Will my life always be this way? Lord. Segue to go into the punker club, The Alley, where Terry is auditioning for a band with the same lame ass song. And he is, but Chelsea, he took it up a notch for a total of one notch. <laughs> uh, and he gets the job. It's not punk. It's not even new wave. It's just was, someone's it's, terrible it's a like terrible new lame pop song. Yes. kind of things. But he still pronounces some things in British. Like, that's going to cover right, it up. Of course. Of like, course. he'll throw out a forever. <laughs> or something like that. So that's the alley, by the way. And right. Terry gets the gig, and he's very excited. Terry has really achieved all of his dreams. He's pierced his ear. He's got a new haircut. He's wearing contacts. He's got a job. He's got a band where he'll play every Friday and Saturday night. He sort of makes a move 
to kind of look at a girl on the sidewalk after he gets the gig and she doesn't immediately shut him down. So he's doing better <laughs> with the ladies. Basically, Somebody wanders Terry's up and asks it. how his day has been. And he's like, what? I don't know how to answer that. You can see me. You, you ever- want to start and finish <laughs> conversation? Yeah, Terry has basically kid- been living like a ghost in his own life. The day my kid got a shred of confidence. <laughs> um, do we ever find out what the name of the, the band that Terry oh, is no. in is? Mm-mm. Okay. No. no. Right. That's um, too bad. I'm sure it would have been fantastic. Amazing. So back at the hotel, um, Smiley is communicating with Terry's mom, who I'm, her name is Louise, but I'm calling mm-hmm. her mom psychiatrist and her <laughs> boss. And I, boss now I'm like, why is mom psychiatrist in charge of planning this event? Is there no admin person or coordinator who should be booking the rooms, etc.? Isn't what she a faculty member this? who's presenting it's, a panel and yeah. a paper? Does she make everybody's coffee as well? Like, what is the job here? She's yeah. the most important panelist presenting the most important paper, and yet she's the one that's got to call the hotel and be like, we need more rooms. Well, no. it's pretty easy being the most important when there's two people in your company <laughs> and there's one <laughs> talk at the entire conference, seemingly. No, but she books like seven more rooms or something like that. And it's like, okay, cool, man. You really got these hotel folks in your pocket. Yeah, right. And then Mr. Smiley is like, Oh, we just didn't know, uh, you know, Terry's appearance. You didn't mention. And she doesn't know that Terry's dressing like this. And so she's just sort of like, well, there's not much to say, you know. So there's a moment of you think there might be a reveal. Like, I think that's the only yeah. thing this scene is set up to do is, like, give us a near miss that his mom's going to find out that he's gone punk slightly before she actually does. Sure. Um, this but- is technically the day after her kid went punk. So she's already missed it. <laughs> she's already missed it. You yeah. missed the transition. Um, so we go back to the nursery. And <laughs> this mis- is my favorite. <laughs> Mr. Smiley comments to Phyllis while holding an umbrella for emphasis. Three days of constant rain and we don't have screaming brats running through the halls. I got to give this kid credit. The little sure. kids are painting their faces and Terry does really seem to have it under control. Well, in that's the my favorite thing. One of the, there's a girl putting finishing touches on her clown makeup and the camera pans to Terry putting finishing makeup on. <laughs> touches on his punker makeup and i'm like yikes <laughs> <laughs> even the camera doesn't respect terry very much no but yeah uh, he's doing a good job like kids uh, seem terrified of him it's going great yeah manager phyllis comments that terry is getting weirder looking every day and that he makes true. her uncomfortable but the the crucial thing here is that nothing about terry's personality has changed He's still a classically trained violinist and a nice, quiet kid who treats everyone with respect. He just has put on the trappings of punk, and now he's doing the makeup. He doesn't seem to embrace the anti-authority ethos of punk or the nihilistic politics of punk. It's just totally about how he wants to dress, which is how we know that Terry is, in short, a complete poser. Yeah, he's a tourist, man. He's he's a punk tourist. This is not the day your kid went punk. This is the day your kid dressed up a little bit. This is the day your kid co-opted a culture. Yes, all of the things that should actually be worrying to you about, like, if your child adopted the ideation of punk, none of that has actually happened, Mom Kyatrist. He just wants to wear leather and makeup. Um, So, the next day, in daycare, a kid with crutches meets Terry who's now experimenting with rouge. <laughs> the, the mother is this horrible uh, Karen woman who's like, wait a second, you seem different. I'm going to go play, complain. 
And here's the start of a joke that I hope will continue through this entire episode. Now playing at the alley, Karen and the kid with crutches. <laughs> oh. If, if Terry, well, no, if Terry didn't have like a cool band name, let's try to figure one out for him. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. So Mrs. This turns out to be Mrs. Rinquist, who it's never really explained. Is before you get all up in arms like I did and had Google it. Not supposed to be the wife of the Supreme Court justice. Um, <laughs> not, I was like, is that mind. what we're doing? No. Wow. Mrs. Rehnquist is the wife of the keynote speaker or board chair or something. Like, they keep talking about her husband. Like, he's the guy that mom Kydris needs to impress. Is that so? God, yes. It's that. very it's very unclear. It's just dropped in a couple of times. But then she is also, like, in the room at the panel. So, like, maybe she, I don't know. We also have a moment back at the college where, for whatever reason, because there are two people working in this department and one of yeah. them is not doing anything, Mom Kaiser has had to make the posters for this event. Ooh, in these addition. posters. And she, this is again manifestly not her job. Um, her board, her boss reminds her that the board will vote on her full professorship after the seminar. So really her whole job depends upon this conference. This um, conference that happens once a year is like the the linchpin of her entire job performance. It doesn't make any sense. It's, and her whole all. paper is, as we know from the poster, about like the punk syndrome and how yeah. parents can avoid their kids going punk. Yeah. So she's a psychiatrist who's or psychologist, she says both, um, <laughs> who is going to give a talk about how to keep your kid from going punk, not knowing that Terry is running around this very same hotel, oh, punking boy. it up um, behind her back. So Smiley, we're back at the nursery. Smiley sticks up for Terry with horrible Karen Rehnquist. And he's like, look, Terry's been working here all summer. And I'm like, oh, suddenly it's all summer. Suddenly it's been, what, three months or something. Yeah. Um, and he, they haven't had a single complaint. And he tells this woman that if she doesn't like it, she can take her kid and leave, which she does. And then Terry says, thanks, Mr. Smiley, for sticking up for me. And Smiley goes off and he's like, scrub your face. Wash that guck out of your yeah. hair. Try looking like a normal human being. And it's like, but, but Smiley, you just defended him. Well, like, which side right. are you on? Here, and this makes me feel very uncool. But that's the owner of the hotel saying, hey, I don't want you to wear makeup at your daycare job. You're freaking people out. <laughs> this, is a, right. this is a business that I'm trying to run. I understand that you're trying to express yourself. Fantastic. As soon as you are done with your job, which cannot last that long, right? Fucking go up and doll yourself up. Yeah, do it on the weekend when you're playing at the alley. Like, we'll get we'll get someone who actually knows how to have this conversation later. Uh, you know, the guy that wrote the music for How the Grinch Stole Christmas will yeah. later do a better job of handling this conversation. But Smiley instead, like, does this thing where he defends Terry publicly, sticks up for mm -hmm. him, and then turns around and is like, "Scrub your face." No, I was and just like, Smiley, pick a lane. Well, there's a there's a very specific moment coming up where Mr. Smiley suddenly understands the entire punk scene, but we'll get there. <laughs> right. Um, um, so now there's some yeah. sad synthesizer music for a transition. <laughs> Somebody said, scrub your fucking face. And <laughs> and was like, uh, yeah. So Terry's parents, they decide they're going to the, the hotel. They were going to go there on a Monday, but instead, I guess they're coming a couple of days early. Right. Um, they're coming for the conference, but they're coming a few days early to surprise Terry yeah. and sort of like, I don't know, it's a little vacation. They are, of course, horrified by what they see. Yep. Um, Terry tells them, this is my new look. It goes with my new music. And they cannot. They just cannot. Like, they nope. cannot speak. They cannot move. They cannot grapple. 
they want to have lunch with him to discuss this, but he's like, I got to take the kids to a museum. And then they say, we'll talk over dinner. And he's like, I got to play at this club where I play. Why don't you come and see me play? And then you'll understand. And they are terrified, but they agree. Sure. Yeah, they'll they'll be there. Um, so then we go to the uh, alley where tonight is uh, tonight playing at the alley is unexpected parents. Uh, <laughs> they Terry's all right. So Terry is performing with this band. Still not great. Uh, Louise says something to uh, the father about how she can feel Western civilization declining. Right. Yes. Uh, and she's like, "Let's get the fuck out of here." <laughs> she's like, "They're all gonna go deaf from this noise they call music." Or, or if Quincy M.E. has anything to say about it, murder each other with murder ice picks. Murder each other with ice picks. Yeah, at least something murdery was happening. At least Quincy had a had cause for uh, for his disdain. But Boy, remember the good old days with the ice pick murders? Five years now ago. Now it's just too loud. So at this club, Dad also comments that it's packed, and apparently it's like this every weekend. The kids love it. It's, they're so, so successful. Like, he sees success... And all mom sees is just noise. Sure. Um, and they leave. But the important thing is neither of them see Terry. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so Terry is a ghost. Ghost hey, good Terry. News. That's why he's wearing that super dark, heavy white makeup now, because he's a ghost. Oh, he's like I'm. I'm trying to be as see through as possible because <laughs> my parents. Um. Uh, good news. These rooms are elegant as fuck at this oh hotel. Oh my god, they're enormous. It's big as shit. There's a fireplace. I I don't. It's just. It's the size of an apartment. It's a bit much. Uh, this um, ho- this hotel's probably doing fine without the conference. <laughs> right. So trade. they're back in their palatial suite. Mom mm-hmm. Kyatrist is lamenting. How could he do this to us? My job is on the line. My boss is going to blow a gasket when he sees Terry. I'll be the laughing stock of the conference. Dad is not as worked up by half. Dad is just sort of like, well, he's a kid. He's trying a thing, you know? And mom is like, how could he do this to me? This is the day my kid went punk. So this is, of course, all about her. She's having, you know, a total crisis. Dad does throw in a, we've obviously failed him somehow. (laughs) And it's like, cool. But I guess that's not a big concern. (laughs) Right. They're like, well, one out of three. Yeah, we failed him. Whatever. He's going to do this now. Carl and Carolyn seem fine. Yeah, <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, two out of three. Terry enters, and Dad's like, hey, look, it's not our kind of music, but obviously you're having some success with it. But Mom just, like, can't even let him have that. Mm-mm. She breaks in with, how can you stand that stuff after playing Mozart and Puccini? And I was like, there it is. Been waiting yeah. for that since the opening note of the school concert. And Terry goes, why would anybody listen to anything that's not the same songs over and over Right. And T- Terry's go. Terry says, oh, it works for me. And mom just like goes off. She says, well, it doesn't work for me. You don't happen to be in this world alone. What about our family? What about my job? What about what my boss will think? She's, I, Terry has again said, this is what I would like for my life. And mom is yeah. spiraling out of control about like the rest of society and what they'll think and her life and her job. It's like Terry... It used to be that Terry couldn't get anyone to even finish a conversation. Now yeah. he can't get anyone to pay attention to him long enough not to make the conversation totally about themselves. They're paying too much attention. There's no middle ground. Uh, Terry has not found the middle ground between being completely ignored and tossed out of a car at the airport <laughs> and just being threatened by your parents the whole time. There's no middle ground. Nobody has ever been like, hey, Terry. How are you doing today? No, it's not about him. Hey, like, why did you want to dress this way? That never comes up. No. No. It's just like, you made a choice that now I'm, makes me uncomfortable, makes me uh, worried about my stability. So 
you need to change. And he's like, you always said difference was good. And she goes, I knew one day you'd throw that bag in my yeah. face. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Everybody then why did you say calm it? Calm down. <laughs> Everybody calm down. <laughs> this is going to be fine. Uh, yeah. And again, these are just the... I can... Who... Fuck this family. I'm, I'm just... <laughs> not for nothing, but it's like, we're all very successful, but we could be more successful. And blah, it's just... These problems also, are, are... there's no, like, repercussions for anyone's life that he's dressing this way. It's not huh. like he decided to go punk, and then he suddenly had, like, a problem with authority. He was mouthing off to Mr. Smiley, or he was late, or he put the kids in danger. He stopped showing up to work. Like, none of that is truly only about the way that he looks. Yeah. And uh, in general, who cares? He's right. found a job that doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he's done it. He's, right. It's 1987, and he's dressing like a, a current Hot Topic employee and getting <laughs> away with it. In Reagan's America, that's a miracle. It's amazing. So then he leaves, and Dad's like, everybody sleep on this. We'll reconvene tomorrow. Everybody's really worked up. And then mm. he leaves, and Mom is like, how can you be so calm? And Dad says, you know, it's a phase. He'll grow out of it. And Mom says... Before the conference, well, we can't be seen with him. We'll have to pretend not to know him. That is her solution, is just to or, pretend or not as, to know him. Or as the family calls it, business as usual. <laughs> exactly. Let's just go back to ignoring Terry. We did it before. We'll do it again. Uh, how are we going to do that thing we always do all the time? Oh, we're doing it now. Okay, it's fine. Ghost Terry. Terry's uh, like, I'm still in the room, guys. And you're like, oh, right. Sorry. Sorry, Terry. <laughs> did you Terry. hear something? Did you hear something, Mom? No, Dad. <laughs> Uh, the next day, uh, this is the big turning point for Mr. Smiley. Uh, Mr. Smiley tries to talk him out of his makeup again. Two girls approach Terry um, about, and, and they know of him from his alley exploits. And they ask yes. him, to, yes. they're like, oh, the show's sold out. Can you get us into the alley? And he's like, sure. And then they're like, he's like, I'll talk to you later. And Mr. Smiley says, okay. Yeah, Mr. Like, Smiley's like, it. I get it. Girls. Yeah, he's gotcha. like, well, if you're getting fucked off of this, fine. <laughs> And Terry says, before, nobody even knew I was alive. This is the real me. I just changed the wrapping. Again, poser, uh, tourist. Yeah, for but Get some therapy, <laughs> Terry. <laughs> Terry now decides to take the kids down to the corral for some sure. horseback riding in the least horseback riding friendly ensemble. Like leather pants and a leather, like a ripped up t-shirt, full mm. face of makeup, earrings, the whole thing. It's like, you can't even... you. You can adjust to the circumstances if you wanted to wear maybe some pants that weren't made of leather. No? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So. And Mrs. The Honorable Judge Rehnquist <laughs> is there with her kid saying, you got to let my kid ride a horse. Can't you, can't you strap my kid to a horse or something? And this guy, who's the patience of a saint, is like, ma'am, come on. We can't strap a child to a horse. So Terry comes over then to chat, and he basically tells the little girl that being like everyone else is not that great. Look at him. He's gone to great lengths not to be like everyone else. And then Amy says, I think you're beautiful. And he says, I think you're beautiful too. And Mrs. Rinquist rolls her eyes a lot. hundred oh, percent. But does not interrupt. And it's actually kind of a cute moment. If there's any moment in this thing that I can actually see, like some good writing trying to rear its head. Sure. It's in this moment where someone who has gone to great pains to be different from everybody else says to a person who desperately wants to be like everybody else, hey, you know what? It's cool to be you. I but think the only thing that could have made this better is if the kid was like, 
you are beautiful, but maybe you want to think about why you're doing this. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is a, a legit cultural movement for some people, and you're just kind of bummed about your it's parents. Like, it's being like shit. a cry for help from a cry for yeah. attention. The, the day my kid went punk, <laughs> went hey, yeah. So. <laughs> uh, Terry decides at this point also there's a weird moment where he just happens to know that there's a thing in the hotel that's very specific that he needs to go fetch. So he goes into the hotel to get this thing. Oh, my God, yes. Well, no, hold on. Because is this that moment? It is. You're right. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, no. No, he goes into the hotel just long enough to interrupt his mother being interviewed for television and embarrass her with his appearance, which is like... No television station on earth is going to cover the psychiatrist concert, like convention. Look, no the, one fucking cares. The TV station that plays in the hotel could not be bothered with this. <laughs> like, nobody. This is just some creep with a camera who's like, hey, lady, do you want to be she in wrote, a And she wrote a paper. It's not even a book. Nobody it's cares. Like, nobody cares. Nobody There's cares. no universe in which this woman would be being interviewed by the local news about this stupid conference that no one cares about outside of the people who are attending it but she is being interviewed he passes through the hotel says hey mom everyone looks aghast look at this punker and then he comes back with a cabbage patch doll that has crutches like amy does which is very cute and she loves it and she hugs it immediately but like why did he was that in the hotel gift shop was that in his room where did he get that from why did he know it was there i don't know is know. this product placement for Cabbage Patch dolls? Probably. Why did I think that it was clear that he went and bought it real quick from the gift shop? Didn't he say something about the gift shop? I don't know. He just said I have to go get something. Best case scenario, this is just something laying around in the nursery for the kids. Worst case scenario, he just owns it. <laughs> also playing this week at the alley, dolls with crutches. Cabbage Patch Dolls. Just surprise so, Cabbage Patch Was it doll. a Cabbage Patch Doll? Yes, it was no. definitely a Cabbage Patch. Or some sort of knockoff that's meant to look like a cabbage. But it had that sort of like face with the dimples. Sure. And the pudgy cheeks. And then Terry takes this kid riding. He's like, let's take you riding. And I was like, I don't... Didn't they... <laughs> no, I don't think that you should... Stay there, mister. Strap us both to this horse. <laughs> right. We don't know that Terry has any horseback riding experience or anything of the sort, no. but he does volunteer to take little Amy horseback riding, which warms the heart of Mrs. Rehnquist. Yes. Uh, his, up to this point, fiercest critic. So now we are approaching the inmost cave of Momchiatrist's journey, which is the one that we've been on up to this point. Mm-hmm. Terry has lunch with his parents in their palatial suite. Right. Dad, again, tries to mediate, but Mom is basically like, shut up unless you can tell me how to explain this kid to 300 psychologists and psychiatrists. Sure. Tell them why our son is running around looking like a freak when I'm giving a lecture on the punk syndrome and how to avoid it. See, here's the thing, though. Here's how I think you solve this too sweet. It's just like, hey, your talk is about how to avoid it. Once it's here, we're all done for. You just say, whoops, <laughs> this is what happened. We, we didn't avoid it, but it's not too late for the rest of you and your hero. Yeah. Uh, Terry points out, <laughs> this is so sad. <laughs> Terry points out this is the first time they've ever given a shit about him in his entire it's life. so true. <laughs> this is how kids become <laughs> punks, Louise. <laughs> he says, you never paid attention to me before. You never spent time with me or cared about anything I've done, except they all went to his violin concert. So, you yeah. know, clearly. But, well, in case you but feel they good didn't about celebrate it. afterwards. Yeah. And then in case you feel good about it, dad has the 
goddamn audacity to say, I wish you'd brought this up before. The first 10 minutes, <laughs> he brings it up twice so every many minute. Times. He can't so shut up times. about it. He straight up says, I'm going to pierce my ear. I'm going to cut my hair. I'm going to play rock and roll music. And everybody's like, do you hear something? Is someone talking? I, like, I expected the camera to push it on a calendar and like <laughs> circled one of the days is the day Terry goes punk. <laughs> that Terry has written on there. But as soon as he says, you didn't pay attention to me before, his mother thinks... Oh, I've got this. This is, she says, typical middle child behavior. She's like, oh, he's acting out. Okay, so now that we have talked about it, he won't dress like this anymore because he just wanted our attention. Yeah, she thinks it's all settled. Yeah, Yeah. she's like, great, great, great. Glad we we, uh, got this done and dusted. Thanks for bringing this to our attention. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It did did take three solid months for you to bring anything to our attention. Terry leaves, and then she says... Poor baby, I bet he's as uncomfortable with the way he looks as we are. And Dad says, I bet he'll wash his face by the time we're ready to go home on Sunday. These, these are the worst parents we've ever run into on this, <laughs> on this podcast. They're, they're so terrible at being parents. I bet that's all finished. The fact that we identified that we're shitty parents, I bet it's all fixed now. Yeah, now that we is basically just, this was about us needing to realize something. Now that it's been brought to our attention, surely our kid can't have a problem anymore. But yeah. oh no, they turn the TV on and that interview is running, and apparently they caught somehow they caught Terry passing through the lobby and going, "Hi, mom," and now she's been outed as a punker parent on TV, and she says, "What do I do now?" And Dad goes, "Use it." Which is the worst and most self-serving <laughs> advice simultaneously. Like, that is bad advice to give to actors, which is usually who gets that advice. Sure. And it's terrible advice to give to a parent. It's like, how also, do I take what, what my child's pain and suffering and make it into something that's good for my career? Have you thought about exploiting that? Exactly. Have you thought about exploiting what's what's tearing our family apart from the inside lean out? Lean right into it. Just lean on in. So now we get to the Supreme Ordeal. Yeah. The Supreme Conference. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure is, <laughs> if conferences had been around at Joseph Campbell's time, that would have been what it's called. Yeah, you're right. There seems to only be one panel at this entire conference. <laughs> it's only one. Conference. Well attended by all 13 <laughs> of the participants. So Louise is sitting at its table with a, it's a, it's a whole bunch of punkers. Um, and many of them, very quickly, it becomes clear, have been kicked out of their house. Yeah. And it threatens to get real dark. It does. It seems like these punkers have two things in mind. I need you to know that I got kicked out of my house. I'm not even a drug drug addict. Yeah, they're very insistent about the fact that they don't do any drugs. Um, I'm guessing these are Terry's bandmates from the club. I don't know oh, how be. else she would have pulled together a panel of all punkers uh, overnight. But... She's decided to, instead of trying to hide her son or pretend she doesn't know him, which was her first impulse, mm-hmm. um, is to make this just like lean in and make the whole panel about punkers instead of herself, and except that she's also up there. And the academics in attendance are all up in arms. They're like, I'd never let a child of mine go around looking like that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, the, the uh, word program that I used mostly understands punkers but sometimes mm-hmm. changes it autocorrects it so here's one of the lines from one of those kids on the panel hey maybe some bunkers are violent <laughs> but so are some truckers and bankers yep true yep. Yep. yeah it's a, it's a solid point because someone says 
uh, you stand for cruelty and violence. And he's like, yeah, every, there are some violent, cruel oh. people in, in every walk of life. It doesn't go for all of us. Um, I, wish, I wish the camera had panned over and we'd had that quid from, kid from Quincy Emmy. Like, what we're just trying to live in your sick society. Society, we are not your scapegoats. <laughs> the kid showed up everywhere. Punkers were being discussed. Um, all of the kids say the same thing, that their parents always cared more about what other people thought than what their own kids felt. Um, which is like a, it, it's like people, they keep, they're all waving this flag and still no one cares what they think. It's just like, no. oh, that's the key that unlocks the door. But let's not go any deeper with it. You just all want attention. Cool, cool, cool. So Mrs. Rinquist then gets up and tells the room that she was scared of Terry at first, sure. But now she's gotten to know him and he's taken her kid horseback riding, given her a doll. I think he's a pretty terrific kid. Um, mom wraps up the panel by saying, Mom Kyatrist, mm-hmm. I had originally wanted to teach parents to keep their kids from going punk. Now I realize it's more important to find out why they're doing it. Which the whole it place... seems the only answer to that is for attention. Yeah. No, it's it's... Look, this whole episode is weaponized to belittle the punk movement. It's actually really ingenious. (laughs) (laughs) This whole thing is a a conference on how to prevent kids from being punk. Put it on a show. Make it seem super unappealing. Yeah, it's it's like it's belittlement wrapped in empowerment, a sheen of empowerment. It's like you should be able to be whoever you want, except you're only doing this for attention. We know. We got you. So I know I say the that this was my favorite moment on the show of all times, uh, but s- sincerely, this is my favorite moment of this show. Uh, out the con- everybody cheers. The conference over. Uh, or the talks over, at least. I don't know. Maybe there's five or six more panels. At Who this cares? That's the supreme ordeal. Now we move into reward consequences. Done. So outside, her boss is like, "That went great," and. You're in the papers now. Okay, whatever. Okay, whatever. Yeah. He's like, look, we're in the trade papers. It's like, this just happened. <laughs> a dude that we have never seen before who's standing yes. at the bar walks up to Louise and says, hey, good job. I want to show you a picture of my kid three years ago. And he shows him this picture of a very brooding uh, 19-year-old punker. Heavy makeup. And then with the makeup and everything like that, it also looks like a mall glamour shot, but you know, totally uh, it, it's, it's really good. And then he's like, but don't worry. Here's him a few years later. He's the successful banker. And then the camera closes in on a shot of Nosferatu <laughs> sitting behind a desk. This dude looks like a <laughs> fucking vampire. He is he's so pale. It looks like he's wearing even more makeup than he was he in the bug. Does. It doesn't make any sense. I'm like, this, 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 looks he looks like a murderer (laughs) truly does he also it's all and mom's like congratulations like this banker is somehow less predatory and less dangerous to society than a punker and and so the guy is like yeah some kids never change but you know mostly this is a phase and you know your kid will grow out of it punkery is just a cry for help basically and mom's like yeah i'm pretty sure terry will be back to normal by next week and um, her boss. So this whole thing is about her trying to keep her fucking job, right? Her mm. boss says everyone's ecstatic. By next month, you'll definitely be a full professor. And I was like, what is the process for full professorship like at this university? Like, what? Yeah. What? It's, How does this happen? Whatever state this is, they they subscribe to subscribe to um, whim based employment. <laughs> yes. It's like yes. you're hired, you're fired. <laughs> what do I feel like today? Ah, you have full tenure. Rinquist liked it, and his kid got a doll. You're you're a full mm-hmm. professor. 
Um, also, the hotel's ecstatic. Best conference of the summer. Whatever he, that Terry's means. the best counselor they've ever had. Whatever that means. <laughs> Smiley and Phyllis are all compliments to mom psychiatrist and... It's like you're the greatest. You've done. You've raised this great kid who, even though he dresses like this, is the best. The best counselor we've ever had, and you've nailed this conference. And we're successful, and you're successful. And I then, wish that like everybody had said, "Hey, this was the best conference. Look, we're in the conference papers." And somebody <laughs> yes. was like, "This is my kid. He's a banker now. He's in the banker papers." I wish that, that had just been used throughout. Oh or man, the, look the at guy the guy from the TV station news. rushed up to her like after the conference and was like. That was amazing the way you turned that around. Give us a quote for the nightly news. No one cares as much about this conference. Hotel news. (laughs) Also, you'll be in the newspaper newspapers. (laughs) That's the newspaper for people who make news in the real newspaper. the newspaper it's journal. very specific journal of american journals <laughs> you either you either deliver to you or you can't find it <laughs> so all right but, now now yes so luckily i think we're just about to leave this hotel forever and that doesn't have to be a thing yes. to deal with anymore it just it doesn't help anybody this hotel setup uh, it's it's very distracting so we go back the to only breakfast. thing is that i think he was supposed to have been a punker for a couple months without his parents knowing so they needed sure. to get him out of the house and away to some other location yeah so he could experiment with punkery without them realizing it you're you're right it is not the fault of the location it's the fault of everybody involved who doesn't <laughs> understand how hotels or conferences or yes. punk rock or children work Let's not blame this resort. The resort didn't do anything. It's everyone oh, who works there that is probably, the problem. Probably Terry's fault. <laughs> so next day, <laughs> next day is uh, it's breakfast. Terry's back in the house, and everybody is uncomfortable because Terry still looks like a fucking punk at the table, and his brother and sister are not holding back. They're disgusted by yeah. Their so this is sadly not a phase. Everyone thought, you know, by the time we get home, he'll wash his face and cut his hair. Nope, yeah. he's just going to keep doing this. Um, <laughs> And his mom says, they'll never let you into school like that. And Terry's response is, they're happy we show up at all. So, no, no, fair play. sure. So this is the road back now, I guess, except that what it actually is, is now Terry gets to have the last six minutes of this movie be about him. Sure. His own, you know, like the day my kid went punk, the punk in question, his has been... A, a, an accessory to his mother's journey up to this point, but now yeah. her journey is over and she's won and succeeded. So we'll let him have the last six minutes of this movie. And it's a lot to cram into this last six minutes. It's not yeah. great. Well, first, for the first thing that we get is everybody's disgusted at Terry. Terry storms off, and the sister is like, We do kind of treat him like shit, though, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What she says is, Her mom is like, Terry thinks that we don't pay him any attention. And Carolyn goes, He's right. He's just kind of there. Which is what a pack of assholes. <laughs> what? what a family full of douchebags. <laughs> Look, like, I appreciate that the panel uh, emphasized the fact that these kids got kicked out and did not run away. My best advice is Terry, run away. <laughs> run away from your family. Run, girl. <laughs> run, girl. Run. This family don't respect you. So cut to school. Yeah. Now, remember how Terry was going to get to play verse violin? Well, none this get up. Um, nope. Dr. Seuss says... Uh, <laughs> sure, it's not really, but okay, sure. Works or- for a Dr. Seuss thing, but it's okay. No, it's fine. Dr. Seuss. Um, he says, an orchestra is a team, and you're a distraction. 
And that's a solid point. You know, it's like a solid point. He's like, you can't play first violin and sit like everyone wears the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the point of, you know, the, the this is what we wear. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, in ye olden times, men wore white powdered makeup and powdered wigs. And and the teacher is like, yeah, Mr. but Jackson. we're not there. Like, we're yeah, this is where we and are. Now we're here. And this is what we do. It's. I've never, there's so much complaining about wanting to adhere to most of the rules from this punk. He's like, yeah. but that one rule bothers me. Right. Honey, um, go, go some, d- d- maybe orchestra's not going to work out for your punk lifestyle, <laughs> champ. Right. I want to do everything I did before. I just want to dress in leather jacket, wear makeup. Why am I subject to consequences? <laughs> the, uh, the teacher... Also, does not make a judgment call about like one no. one thing be- being better than another. He says, "If you want to come back, the choice is yours. Otherwise, invite me to one of your gigs. I'm sure you're terrific." That's a yeah. good teacher, you know. Totally fine. He's like, "If you want to play in the orchestra, you got to wear the uniform. If you don't, I'll come see you play rock music." And you know, great, good. We finally have a person who knows how to talk to kids here. Thank God, at the, in the tail end of this movie. Yeah. Um. And then Terry walks out of school and hey, 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 if it isn't the wayward Lisa. Well, well, well. Waiting for him. Where's Bomber Jacket Bobby now? <laughs> right. It's time for good enough Terry. Uh, yeah, Terry, uh, he's accepting of this lesson and he's like, uh, he, he sets it up that he's got to do some soul searching, which we do in a montage because Terry doesn't even have full scenes for soul searching. No. We don't have time to pay attention. Maybe... Maybe this, maybe they've got it right. Maybe it's just difficult to pay attention to Terry. Maybe they had to change everything on set. They're like, I can't watch this kid. Boy, unless he was some sort of boy who could fly, who could be interested <laughs> who could in care? him? Or a robot. Or a robot. So he's like, yeah, I got to make some choices. Can't have it all. And they walk off holding hands, so they're dating now, I guess. Whatever. But in his room, Terry considers his face and his hair. And he has his own small montage-based Supreme Ordeal right now. Yeah. Um. It's like a deus ex machina of the First Order. His mom is nowhere around. Because it's an after-school special, he's supposed to solve his own problems. Mm-hmm. And now they've given him a couple of minutes in which to attempt to do that. And he he ultimately decides to leave the mohawk but take off the makeup. And he, like, compromises with himself in some way. Yep. But then Carl comes in and victim blames the shit out of him. Like, as soon as he makes this decision, he's like, you know what? I think I could be happy just toning it down a little bit, still feel true to myself. Carl comes in and is like, yeah, we ignore you, but you always give in and don't assert yourself. <laughs> if you had spoken up sooner, maybe you wouldn't have to go to such drastic extremes. And Terry just sort of nods. And he's like, it would have been... It would have been a kinder scene if if his brother had literally been punching him the entire time. <laughs> He'd just come in and, like, bum-rush Terry. I'd have been like, all right. Well, at least he didn't say it was all his fault for <laughs> allowing a family to be shitty to him. Fuck this family. <laughs> yes. Just playing at the alley this week, by the way. <laughs> Go see fuck, fuck this family. This family. <laughs> and then Carl says, but I love you. And they hug it out. And I was like, what? Mm-mm. What? What and is Terry, this scene? And after this, Terry just... Goes along with it. Mm-hmm. This is infuriating stuff. Uh, so, and and he also goes to the the auditorium uh, yeah, to by himself do looking some for a Jesus searching. koala. Sure he is. Sure he is. What Jesus koala? Yeah, he's in the yeah, auditorium by himself. Well, he's really oogening it up. <laughs> 
hey, do you know the punks don't get to be in orchestras? Or not being in orchestras? Look at me, I'm a fiddle. Anyway, God is love. I'm really glad you brought that up. (laughs) He's in the auditorium alone. Thinking about a Jesus koala and remembering uh-huh. the spring concert and the applause and the this and the that. And yeah. the next day at breakfast, the whole family now is engaged in a debate about whether Terry should go back to violin or stick with rock guitar. And they all have very strong opinions. But again, it's like they're talking about Terry around Terry. He's not involved in this discussion at all. Uh-huh. He's just now this like this curiosity that lives in their home that they they talk about as though he weren't sitting there listening. Absolutely. And here's the tragedy of this episode, uh, truly. Here's the most tragic thing about this episode. The copy that I was watching, inexplicably, uh, somebody changes the channel on the copy. (laughs) No! And it goes to some sort of, like, 90s new rock video, and I'm like, what is happening? Oh, no! So I had to go and find another copy of the video, only to find out uh, the family's a bunch of assholes is the yeah. moral of the story. Yeah. Did you think they would be redeemed? No. I thought like maybe at the end they'd be like, well, we're going to throw ourselves on a pyre for being the worst people <laughs> on the planet. Right. Terry, uh, now might be the time to consider becoming an emancipated minor. Yep. Um, Terry says, thanks for your input, everyone. Uh, but I have to make this decision not to please you or to get your attention, but because it's right for me. So for now, I'm going to stick to playing rock. Carolyn is the only member of the family that's okay with it, but she's very tepid. She's like, yay. Yeah. No one else is into it. Everybody else was voting for a violin. I think, you know what, Terry? You should take up a drinking problem. (laughs) That'll really get you to coast through the rest of this life, and it'll fit in with your new punker lifestyle. And it'll make your family really angry as opposed to just annoyed. Maybe you'll get lucky, and they'll kick you out of the house. (laughs) (laughs) Terry says... I've decided to keep my hair and my fashion choices, but cut out the makeup. And mom Kyatris says, at least it's a start. And that's the end of the movie. The last line might as well be a shrug. At least it's a start. What is the point? Should be what mom. is the point? Should be mom spiking the camera, looking dead down the barrel and going, <laughs> fuck you, Terry. <laughs> and then credits roll. And in those credits, uh, here's the surprise. You wrote what? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's right. You forgot about You Wrote What, but You Wrote What didn't forget about you. (laughs) (laughs) You Wrote What, Larry Weir. Uh, The credit that comes up is Original Rock Songs by Larry and Tom Weir. So I immediately look up these people to find out who they are. And these are the opposite. No, they're not. Uh, Larry Weir, uh, first and foremost, wrote some of the songs for the movie Teen Witch. I know, not including the the infamous rap, uh, the top that thing. <laughs> top but that. He, he did write the rest of the raps that the rapper guy is doing. Um, if you know what I'm talking about, you're very excited right now. Yeah. Uh, more importantly, in 1975. Who top that though? I don't. Who could tell? Uh, probably that that orchestra leader guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> probably the bane of Larry Weir's existence. <laughs> Uh, More importantly, in 1975, Larry Weir was in a band called The Weirs, with a Z. Makes sense. Which was made up of uh, Larry, his brother Tom, and their seven other siblings. Oh my god! There were nine Weirs? There's nine Weirs. Here's the thing. They were mildly successful. <laughs> they, they're a well, family band. Well, that bands. many people, I assume yeah. they had a million different instruments. And All you gotta do is bring two people that you know, and then 18 <laughs> people. But they, they had a song called Gypsies from Bonsall, uh, and 
uh, at the height of their fame, played at the Whiskey A Go-Go and the Troubadour here in Los Angeles. Amazing. Also, somehow, this is mentioned on Larry Weir's uh, Wikipedia page, they influenced their next-door neighbor, Eric Avery, to start learning instruments, which led him to a career being the bassist for Jane's Addiction. Finally, I know, what? this is, they're like the Forrest Gump of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> like, everywhere you look, the Weirs are showing up. But here's the thing. Here's the best one. Larry and Tom Weir were part of the five-person studio collaboration that resulted in the theme song for Saved by the Bell. What? The Weirs? Wow. So the shitty songs that we barely talked about in this, they really do have a root in television history. That is amazing. Let's talk more about Mom Kytrist and the Conference of Secrets. So... (laughs) So we basically have a 45 minute long movie, the first 39 minutes of which are about a mother who is upset that the way her son dresses, not acts, but dresses, is going to mess up her career. And the last six minutes, the son trying to grapple with the fact that like the consequences of dressing the way that he wants to dress uh may force him to make some choices between the things that he can participate in in his life. The last six minutes feel to me like an actual after-school special for a teenager. Yeah. And the first 39 minutes feel like an episode of some terrible sitcom for parents. If If you pause this every couple of minutes to be like, you know, like... After the kid comes in and is all like jazzed about the, her ribbon for Mississippi, if you paused it and had like words appear on the screen that say, "What could Terry's parents have done to better mm-hmm. support Terry?" This is something that you might play for parents who are yes. shitty at being parents. Like that's because the, they're all making like horrible mistakes throughout. Terry, when Terry goes punk, we have absolutely <laughs> no reason to wonder why. Yeah, there's I got no, it. like we absolutely understand, and then at the end. After this whole mom's been on an entire journey and come through a supreme ordeal and come out the other side victorious with her career and everything, then we have a teacher finally present the fact that, like, if this is the way you want to express yourself sartorially, then you may not be able to access everything that you want to access. So think about what means more to you. Like, the last six minutes of this, we actually get a kid grappling with a problem and having to make a decision for himself. Well, more importantly, in the last six minutes, somebody pays any goddamn attention to the kid who has the problem <laughs> right. in the first place. The first 39 minutes, we get none of Terry's interior life. We no. see scenes of him alone, sure, but he's already made the decision to go punk arguably before the movie starts. Yeah. He's trying to tell people about it, and then he just does it. Everybody kind of gives him shit, but the only person whose inner turmoil we get any insight into is mom's. Yep. And then, and then she resolves that, and then finally this thing with Terry starts up, which is kind of interesting and actually is geared toward kids and kids solving problems. So I feel like betrayed by the first 39 minutes of this after school <laughs> special. Sure. Um, sort of, I guess, like you would feel betrayed by your parents if they never let you finish a conversation even about your own life. Yeah. I mean, it's it's frustrating for Terry, but Terry isn't solving his problems by co-opting the punk culture in appearance only uh, that I feel like wouldn't have been complete if he hadn't found a bag of earrings at an airport (laughs) 
Which, by the way, if you find a bag of earrings at the airport, throw it away. Right. right. Nothing good happens. (laughs) At best, somebody went to Claire's and just thought better of it. At worst, those belong to somebody and they're being mailed to a mom. Right, or they they have they have an ancient curse on them, and they will sure. haunt you. They're um, gonna they're gonna fetch a nice ransom when they prove <laughs> right. that I've got your kid. Yeah, I just I just don't. It, there's everything about this is is surface deep. Yeah, he goes punk, but only it's just about like what he wants to wear, and there's no examination of like why a kid would actually go punk outside of maybe they want your attention. Sure. And so it doesn't answer any sort of question about anything that it sets up for the mom. It's just truly about, like, how do I get through this concert and make the fact that my kid is doing this work for me instead of against me? And then this kid, finally, in the last few minutes, has to, like, make a decision and grapple with the fact that he has the locus of control over his own life, which is infinitely more interesting than what we spend the first 39 minutes doing. Yeah. I mean, but you know, infinitely more interesting than not interesting at all. (laughs) Anything times zero is still zero. (laughs) It's true. I think that the problem is, is he's not doing anything. He's not doing anything. He's putting on makeup and he's calling himself a punk. Uh, The stakes aren't high at all. I don't understand the stakes most of the time, let alone care what happens to this terrible family. Um, in fact, some tragedy might really do them all some good. It might bring them closer together. But no, it's it's just not, nothing's important enough to to be of any consequence. Even at the end, it's like, you know, oh, you don't get to play an orchestra, but you're going to, you know, it's a choice you're making to play in a rock band. Guess what? You'd probably have to do that by the sheer volume of practice in one way or the other. Right, and also at the end, he's like, I'm going to stop wearing makeup, but I'm going to keep my hair and I'm going to keep my jacket and stuff. And mom doesn't say, you know what, if that's how you choose to dress, then we're all going to have to learn to adjust. She says, let's start. Like, thank God, that means eventually you'll go back to dressing the way that you did. We just have to wait it out. Exactly. Other than the family being the worst family ever, the other two things are everybody assumes that when they think the problem is solved, the problem's solved. Right. Everybody who talks to Terry... For half a second and and he, he listens to him for 10 seconds begrudgingly each time is like, I bet that fixed everything. He's all fixed now. And then the other problem is that nobody ever accepts him. It's never, ever going to be any, no, nobody cares. They're yeah. just like, this is a step towards you getting back to something that I don't have to really pay that much attention to. Exactly. Could you please fade fade back into the background yeah. again? Yeah. Hey, Wallflower. You're taking up too much space. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> Chelsea, what did we learn from this episode? Well, the thing is, like, I don't even know... If the question is, would you show this to kids today? I don't even know who... If this was for kids intentionally, originally, because it's the day my kid went punk. Yeah. So it sounds like it's geared toward parents. And I think the advice for parents is just wait it out. They just want your attention, which is terrible advice. Truly. So I don't know that you ever, that kids would have ever gotten anything from it, or at least from the first 39 minutes of it. So I don't know who even the audience is in terms of trying to evaluate what we could have possibly learned. I mean, and by 1987, the subject of, of punks and punkery is, is already fading out of, you know, where's the satanic panic in this episode? Right. Right. Where's where's the worry that uh, the the metal is going to you know summon the devil? Um, 
yeah, no, uh, I don't, it's, it's a frustrating episode. It'd be even more frustrating if you tried to present it as the answer to anything other than how not to act. Yeah, this is a primer on what not to do as a parent in 1987, I guess. Yeah. So, and what not to do as a punk in yeah, 1987. Exactly. So who would I hug? I mean, Terry. Yeah. Um, everyone else I want to push off a bridge, except for I would totally hug um, Albert Haig. Uh, sure. Because coming up with his hits and his misses is one of the best. That's so good. Best things I've ever heard. That's really um, good. And yeah. also, he gives some good teacher advice. Like he's actually a good teacher. See, and that's the thing. I want to be like, did they bring a writer in for one day to write this character, and that writer was not allowed to touch the rest of the script? Seems like it. Because honestly, this movie could be just ten minutes long with that yeah. scene and his parents being disgusted. And then he's like, I'm going to be in a rock band. And then you roll credits before his family can respond. <laughs> great. It's a great episode of TV then. Uh, yeah, I guess you hug Terry or whoever whoever thought that selling dolls with crutches in a hotel gift store, like it's not a bad idea, but I worry about the person who made that decision. Right. I mean. They might need a hug. Everybody needs a hug. Terry, most of all. I feel like yeah. hug Terry might sort of be the theme of this episode. Can because I? Because if you just paid enough attention to him to hug him every once in a while, yeah. maybe he wouldn't feel like he needs to co-opt an entire subculture that he doesn't actually adhere to in order to get your attention. I'm going to change my answer. Instead of hugging Terry, what I'm going to do is uh, shackle my wrists to uh, his parents' hands and make them hug him <laughs> by hugging him and be like, this is what support feels like. Forcible hugs. Man, it's the yeah, only hug Terry's going to get, honestly. This is a bummer because... This is I feel a like, bummer. <laughs> I feel like we had so much fun with the punker episodes of Chips and Quincy Emmy and yeah. even G.I. Joe, but because they were so outlandish and insane. Yeah. And this is just not even fun to make fun of. It's no, just I'm fine making fun of it. Thank you very much. Bad parenting all around. Bad sibling gang. These siblings are the worst siblings. I, how do you make an episode of television like this and never address such a giant problem with every other character? Like, you just get through it and you're like, well, I guess that family's going to be shit forever. Good luck, Terry. Tune the in next sister time. Being, the little sister being like, he's just kind of there was the moment that I was just like, what Craig the Bierko, fuck is happening? Craig Bierko, <laughs> the, the speech, the Toastmaster of the Young Republicans <laughs> Club, <laughs> coming in and saying, you put up with this. It's your fault. I, I, I'm just disgusted. But it's... Oh my it's god. So terrible. Go find the Terry in your life and give them a hug. Yeah. Pay attention to anybody. Thank you all so much for joining us for this ABC After School special. The day our kid went punk. And we will see you next time. Bring snacks. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!